what I mean by getting prepared is you really have to go to that dark place in training. You know, you have to really challenge yourself in training. You have to have everything go wrong in training. And so that way, when something goes wrong during the race, you're prepared. If you have ever asked yourself, how do I run a race injury-free or get out of the constant injury cycle, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, where I will teach you how to enjoy lifelong injury-free running so you can continue getting in those mental clearing runs and even hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid half marathoner, coach, running physical therapist, and founder of Spark Physical Therapy Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you have been told to stop running with an injury. Learn more about our signature coaching program at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow the show on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks for joining me. Now on to the show. All right. It is marathon season. So just like our last couple of episodes, we are going to provide you with some jam-packed value today so you can make the most out of your big race day. Welcome to episode 141 on the Healthy Runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Today, I am joined with a repeat guest. Claire Bartholik is a certified run coach, a sports nutrition specialist, at The Planted Runner, and is an amazing running podcast host, I might add. Um, Claire has led hundreds of athletes to reach their best performances through science-based training, nutrition, and mindset programs. She is also the host and producer of the popular running podcast, The Planted Runner, and former host of the Run to the Top podcast. Um, Her first book, The Planted Runner, Running Your Best with Plant-Based Nutrition will be released in February, 2023. That is so exciting, by the way. So thank you uh, for agreeing to come back on the show, Claire. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For those of you catching it live, I still have a few more episodes left with the run to the top, but we're going to be transitioning mid-September. So depending on when you're listening, I may be the current or the former host of the run to the top, (laughs) but that I am the host of the Planted Runner podcast. So you definitely can find me in your ears wherever you get podcasts. Thank you for clarifying that. And in this episode, guys, Claire is really going to share her top 10 marathon racing mistakes and share how you can avoid them during your next race. Um, Claire, we have a bunch of new listeners since um, your episode back in, Mm -hmm. I was actually looking at the date back in April of 2021. So that was a while ago. Um, Mm -hmm. Time flies. (laughs) Um, So can you just share with our community how you got started in running and really what led you down this pathway of making a career out of it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I started like I think most people do that start running in, you know, midlife. I wanted to lose some weight, get in shape for my high school reunion. So I started running just with that goal, not performance, not to be an athlete, nothing like that. It was just honestly vanity. And uh, the reunion came and went and I kept running. Somewhere along the line, I went from hating running to loving running. I It was not just one day 
day, I don't know what happened, but you know, eventually something uh, changed. And so, you know, I got, I said, well, I'm going to run a half marathon. And after the half marathon, somebody I knew, like a girl from high school was running Boston. So I'm like, oh, I should run Boston. Um, I didn't know at the time that you actually have to qualify for Boston. <laughs> So I was like, well, I'll go qualify for that. And I didn't do it on my first try, but I did it on my second try and, you know, just really, really fell in love with the marathon and running and getting faster and just became a student of the marathon, just, you know, fell down the rabbit hole. Absolutely just got so obsessed with what it takes to run a marathon well. And, you know, my um, progression was, you know, my very first marathon was pretty good. I, I got a, a 402 for my very first one. And uh, my last one was a 258. And I was a, I was 42 years old when I got my sub three. So, you know, for all of you out there who found running later in life, you know, you can, you can do it. You know, it's, you don't, yes, eventually age will slow you down, but most people, never reached their potential when they were in their quote unquote prime years. So if you're just starting your marathon journey or your running journey, whatever distance, you have a lot to grow, assuming you haven't, you know, you didn't tap out when you were, you know, 25 or whatever. So um, that's one of the things that I really, really love about running and especially the marathon. It's just something that experience is rewarded and you get better and better at it. If you you know, follow a few rules. Yeah. So the good thing is you're telling me there's still hope for me because I am running <laughs> still my, hope. my second marathon in about five weeks and I am 42. So you're saying there's hope. Nice. I'm not going to get a sub three or anything, but there's hope. <laughs> you're probably going to do better than your first, assuming you've been training smart. The yes. first marathon is usually a crap shoot. You just have no idea what you're doing. Um, so usually number two, there's, there's a big breakthrough. So I, I bet, I bet you'll do that. What, what marathon are you running? Which one? I'm doing a uh, Hartford here in Connecticut. Oh, so that was, nice. that was my first one. So it's kind of the hometown race. And, you know, I, I always thought of doing New York first, um, for mm. some originally from New York, um, for my first marathon, but I live in Connecticut and I did the half marathon, you know, in Hartford for years. And I was like, I know exactly where to park. I know where the start <laughs> line is. I know, you know, so it was like my comfort zone. So I'm like, all right, running 26.2 is already going to be hard enough. Why don't I just keep yes. all those other variables the same? And so now I feel like I need to redeem this marathon before I move on to something yeah. like more fun, I guess, um, or, you know, different sites. So yeah, that's, uh, that's coming up. And I, I agree that I, I, I better definitely do better. Uh, you know, I've been talking about it for the last couple of years in terms of like training and things like that. And we're going to talk about mm -hmm. some of that today, but um, yeah, what you did was pretty amazing. Holy cow. That was, mm -hmm. that was pretty remarkable at, you know, where you went with your marathon journey and how many marathons in total, like, have you done nine? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now do you still, what does your current running look like? Do you still race or do you just go no. out there for fun? And so I don't race anymore. Um, and I, I never say never, I will race again. I am sure, but I, um, stopped really well. I did one more race after, after my, um, 
sub three, but I don't race anymore because honestly, I got really burnt out. You know, I was so, so, so focused on the sub three. I mean, I was laser focused on it and, um, too focused actually. And so it became like something that I just had to do almost Mm -hmm. instead of something I wanted to do. And, you know, my last 5k of that marathon, I'm telling myself, you know, I'm trying to speed up and run as fast as possible. And I'm telling myself, if you do this, you never have to do it again. And I haven't, (laughs) I haven't. So, but you know, there's, but there's more to it than just burnout. The thing is, um, I know how hard it takes, how hard it is to train at that level. And I achieved my big, you know, it's like climbing Mount Everest for me. Like I achieved the big thing that I wanted to achieve. So working that hard again, just to shave off a couple of minutes or something like that is not interested, interesting to me. I, I need something that's really exciting and interesting and, and, and a real burning desire. So, you know, while, while the, the big three, you know, the sub three was super important to me. I don't see another step that would be as important. So it's just not as important to me anymore. And the other thing is that I coach runners for a living and I get so much joy helping other people reach their dreams that I really like, I I never got that much out of running for myself. I mean, not in the same way. So when I'm coaching people and they are doing all the hard work (laughs) and I get all the joy when they cross the finish line with a big smile on their face, you know, that's super rewarding to me. So that's why I don't race anymore, but I still run almost every day. So I'm trying right now I'm, um, I have a coach, even coaches have coaches and I am working on strength right now. So, you know, I'm, I'm a skinny marathon runner, you know, putting muscle on me is a big challenge. So I'm out of my comfort zone right now. Um, still doing a little bit of running. I I think we're going to shift into more running soon, but, um, running will always be a part of my life just in different doses. Nice. And I love to hear that because, you know, that strength training is so protective for the body too, right? Mm -hmm. As we age, especially those tendons. And so I love to hear that you're, you know, looking at in terms of like different cycles and really focusing, you know, different goals and focusing on, you know, strength training to get stronger for whatever that next running goal, um, you know, maybe in the future. And I do need to share with you because last time you were on the show, I remember you sharing the tip of the medial dates. And I remember after that, I was like, I got to try these things. Like, let me try these. And I have just absolutely loved fueling with medjool dates since Uh that time. I do a little almond butter. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'll either have one or two, depending upon how long my run is. But it's been for someone who is like, always came from like, don't eat before you run pretty much. Um, And, you know, started learning the value except for long runs. But started learning the value of, Hey, if you actually put a little fuel on board, like your performance is going to be better. And the dates have like, I share with all my clients. It's like, you know, it's been like a game changer because you you're not eating a lot, but they pack a lot of punch in terms of like nutrition. Uh, so thank you for that tip. Um, (laughs) No problem. Yeah. They're like, I mean, they're like nature's Reese's peanut butter cup almost. I mean, you just have a, a little, it's like one date is like two bites. It sits well in this, in your stomach and really, has everything you need. So I'm glad you uh, use it. That's great. I know your ears probably have been ringing for like the last year and a half. Cause every time I tell someone, I'm like, (laughs) got this from coach Claire. 
And mm-hmm. I was like, I love it. They've been doing great for me. Like, give it a try. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you for that. But sure. let's uh, get into marathons. So you have a lot of experience, yeah. as you mentioned. Um, you've coached hundreds of clients. Um, yep. So I'm sure you've seen mistakes along the way, um, yeah. either done them yourself or seen others. So I really wanted to, you know, last couple episodes, we had an episode on basically marathon training for beginners. And then last episode, we did like advanced marathon training and really taking the speed work and adding in marathon pace into long runs and all of that. So I really want to kind of take a different angle today and kind of like, what are the mistakes that we need to avoid? And mm-hmm you know, how can we avoid them? So what are like the most common mistakes? If we kind of, you know, broke that down into like 10 common marathon mistakes, what would you say is the first mistake that you see in uh, runners? Yeah. Well, the first mistake is the biggest one and it's the one that needs to be shouted from the rooftops. So if you don't listen to any of the other nine things that I'm going to say, listen to this one and forget everything else. So the most damaging thing you can do for your marathon is going out too fast. So you've got 26.2 miles. If you can run your goal pace in the first 5k, who cares? It's whether you can run your goal pace in the last 5k. So too many people, they've been tapered. They have adrenaline. They've just, you know, eaten a lot of sugar and they're just like excited by the crowd and they go out too fast. And people think that they're like, wow, I am fitter than I, than I, my training suggests I should just go for it. Wow. I feel amazing. And they get caught up in this, um, race day confidence, which which it's good to be confident, but if you don't respect the distance, you're going to be walking at mile 16 or something like that, you know? So the good thing to, uh, one thing that I like to say to uh, my runners is the marathon is a 20 mile warm up for a 10 K race. You have got to keep it in your pants. The first 20 miles, you really do. You have to control your speed keep it under control for as long as possible. And then the race really starts at when you have 10 K to go or six miles to go. Um, You know, you are not fitter, (laughs) magically fitter on race day than you were three weeks ago. You'll feel better because you're tapered and you've rested and you've carbo loaded and you've got adrenaline on board. You will feel good, hopefully. But that does not mean you have just jumped through 10 levels of fitness and you can all of a sudden run 30 seconds faster per mile because you feel amazing. You know, feelings are not facts. That is definitely something that you have to remember. And going out too fast is the number one cardinal sin in the marathon. Oh my goodness. So many sound bites there. <laughs> Feelings are not facts. Keep it in your pants. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. That was, that was amazing. And that is, is very, um, you know, that, that was my story on my first marathon, right? Yep. I, everything you said, I felt that way. I was like, wow, I guess I am, you know, a little more fit than I thought I was. And, you know, ego got the best of me and mm-hmm. I was literally walking for the last six miles, um, yep. cramped up and everything. So yep. Yeah, it is very, very common, guys. So make sure you're listening to Claire here. She knows um, this is the most common mistake. And I love how you said 
kind of that last 10 K and that's what we have like a race day blueprint. And that's how we kind of break the marathon into like three parts, but you got the first part, first six miles, and then the middle part, and then the last 10 K mm-hmm. and, and really having that mindset. And I've started to do that for my half marathons the last three years of, yeah, okay. It's going to be a 10 mile warm up, And then, you know, it's a three, it's a 5k race for like a half marathon, but applying that to the marathon. Yeah. It's a 10 K race essentially mm-hmm. is really what you need to think about, uh, um, from like a mindset standpoint, but yeah, that I would totally agree going out too fast. Uh, most common mistake. All right. So what is the second, um, racing mistake that most okay. folks make? The next one is another classic one is nothing new on race day. Don't try anything new. Don't have a new pair of shoes. Don't try the new gel that you got at the expo. Don't do anything you haven't tried many, many, many times before because you, it it is so likely to fail. So if you try, you know, let's say you wear the race day t-shirt that you just got the day before, but you have no idea that it has a little tag that rubs you the wrong way. And by mile 18, you're bleeding, you know, (laughs) or, or let's say you're just like, Oh, I didn't want to run train in my new shoes. I want to save them for race day. And you train in and you run in your new shoes and you, um, get, a blister, you know? So, you know, there are some exceptions to this. Like, let's say you, you know, the weather changed completely from what they were predicting and you had to buy like a new hat or something or a new pair of gloves because, you know, you're going to be too cold, like something like that. Obviously you can bend the rule there, but really, especially when it comes to clothing and food, you really don't want to try anything new on race day or we'll come back to haunt you. Yep. Yeah. Another key, key principle, uh, for sure. And, you know, the more athletes that, you know, we work with and, and really practice this principle really leads to success. Right. And it takes away that variable of what if, and you're not familiar with something. Um, you know, I, I even go down to, you know, my race day clothes, I'll wear that literally for probably at least the five or six long runs prior to, um, the race, but yeah. Couldn't agree more. All right, let's get to uh, the third marathon racing mistake. And the third one I uh, will say is not being mentally prepared for the tough parts. So marathon racing is hard. This is why we do it. Actually, if it was easy, everyone would do it, right? So we are um, purposely putting ourselves through a very difficult challenge. And there will be a time where your mind goes to a really dark place because this is hard. Something might be hurting. Um, And I'm not talking about injury hurting. If you're injured, then you need to stop, of course. So I'm not talking about that kind of pain, but just the effort pain of running hard for, you know, three, four, five hours, however long you're out there, that is a huge challenge. And if you're not prepared to do this, then it's going to be even harder. So what I mean by getting prepared is you really have to go to that dark place in training. You know, you have to really challenge yourself in training. You have to have everything go wrong in training. And so that way, when something goes wrong during the race, you're prepared. And, and some of this you can do with visualization and other mental techniques. You know, you can, you can, um, 
train yourself to visualize all the bad things that could happen. So what if you drop your gel? What if your shoe comes untied? You know, what if it's hotter than you expect it to be? All of these things, you know, those things you can visualize the negative. And then the next part of that exercise is to imagine how you'll get through it. So what are you going to do if you drop your gel? Well, hopefully you'll have an, an extra one in your pocket, or hopefully you'll have practiced with what's on the course and you can grab, you know, an extra gel when they're handing that out at mile 23 or whenever they're handing it out. So, you know, imagining all the negative things that can happen and then coming up with solutions well before race day will have you much better set up to, to get through those rough patches. Nice. And, and do you have, um, your runners do that visualization, just maybe with like meditation and silence or when they're out on a run? Um, I actually recorded a podcast once that is a um, race day visualization. So it's basically like a guided meditation. I want to do a whole series like this because I this is what I was looking for when I was racing. Um, so I made it, but I think there there's there's a whole a lot of room for tons of these. Um, so I like to have my uh, runners do it several times, like maybe three times during race week, maybe once or twice the week before, so that you're relaxed. You're thinking about what's making you anxious. Um, and then I do some mental strength work, um, during the run. So I think that mental strength training is just as important as physical training. And so for all of my athletes, I include mental strength workouts every week. And some of them are things that you practice outside of the run. And then some of them are things you practice during the run. So things that, um, ways to talk to yourself, to get the negative self-talk to kind of shift a little bit. So there's lots and lots and lots of things that you can do for that, but you don't just start on race day. You know, this is, is something you need to practice just like strength training, just like running. Yeah. And I've actually had some personal experience with that. Uh, this morning I did my actual, uh, long run and my coach says that this is the longest or the hardest run of the training where it was 18 miles, eight at marathon pace and then a tempo uh, threshold pace at the end. And Oof. that was the hardest thing for me was that mental side and mm -hmm. realizing like, and, you know, going into, it, I was like, okay, I'd be able to do this. I did 16, you know, a couple of weeks back with like three miles, but there was like recovery in between those marathon pace miles. Um, and I was like, okay, I got this, but the mental side is so important. And it just brought me back to race day and how you have to rely on those you know, mental strategies, those mantras. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy cow, I need to work on this a little bit more before race day, because yeah, it was starting to get dark out there. And I'm not talking about that. I was running in the dark. It right. was quite sunny outside. And I was, my mind was just going to, you know, negative thoughts and all of this. And I'm like, Oh, I need to work on this. So I am definitely going to check out some of that content that you have. Um, sure. But yeah, that is so important, especially for those that are maybe running their first marathon and listening to this. Um, the mental side is real. 
<laughs> for yeah. Marathon. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's something that I'm doing actually with the new podcast, the planted runner is at the very end, I do what I'm calling the mental strength minute. So in one minute, I'm going to explain a mental strength technique that you can use on the run. So most people are running when they're listening to running podcasts. And so like, it's usually something that you can practice while you're listening, which is really cool. And it's gotten a lot of really good feedback. Yeah. And I love your delivery because I was actually listening to uh, your third episode this morning during my run ah. um, on running form. And I just love your delivery and how you present it, where if someone's running, they can just like you were like eyes forward, right? Relax yeah. your neck. And I'm like, okay, let me think about, you know, making sure my arm swing is good. And you no, know, I look forward to, you know, checking out those uh, mental strength kind of minutes um, mm -hmm. on your show. And yeah, I've been loving uh, the new episodes. Um, they have been absolutely fantastic for those listening to this podcast. Definitely check out the Planted Runner podcast. Um, you will find it very, very valuable like I have. Um, all right, let's you. get to you're welcome. Um, <laughs> time to take a real quick break. And before I say any more, I truly hope the message so far today has benefited you either from a running or health standpoint. Staying in line with that theme, I wanted to take this opportunity to share with you a brand new exciting partnership with Naboso, which is a company that is dedicated to redefining what's underneath your feet so you can feel more to move better as a runner. From a movement prep before your runs to foot recovery after those hard speed workouts or long runs, Naboso's textured products lets your senses guide you and connects you to your exercises and your running by strengthening your feet and helping you recover from your runs. Want to learn more on how you as a runner can activate, strengthen, and recover from running? Listen to episode 116 on this podcast to learn from Naboso founder, podiatrist, and human movement specialist, Dr. Emily Splickle herself. We had a value-packed episode learning how she took her conventional podiatric medical degree and combined it with years of experience and expertise in human movement and sensory science to found Naboso. Dr. Emily shared with us the importance of foot stability for runners. What is sensory stimulation? The benefits of toe spacers and barefoot training for running. There's so much value in this episode, so be sure to go back and queue up episode 116 on the Healthy Runner podcast to listen to during your next long run to learn more about Naboso. I personally have always battled a mild case of plantar fasciitis and have been using the Neuroball to get out those hard-to-reach trigger points in my deep foot muscles that foot rollers just frankly don't reach and get to. I have also been a big fan of the toe spacers for the past 10 years, but have yet to find a pair that is actually flexible as comfortable and that I can tolerate for hours to help realign my toes and stretch the small muscles in my foot. This has been clutch, honestly, for my claw toes that I have and helping my plantar fasciitis. I just love doing 10 minutes of elevation with my Naboso splay on after a long run. 
Naboso's recovery socks are like your traditional running compression socks, but they are the first ever that stimulate your nervous system and enhance movement with their patented textured surface on the inside of the sock. Matter of fact, as I'm reading this right now, I have on my Naboso Splay toe spacers, and I couldn't imagine my feet tolerating the hard half marathon training I am doing right now without some of these great products at Naboso. Learn more about how Naboso's Texture products connect you to your exercises and your running by strengthening your feet and helping you recover from your runs. Since you're a part of our Healthy Runner community, you will get 20% off all of your orders. Just use the code HEALTHYRUNNER during checkout when placing your order using the special link we have in our show notes. Go ahead and give Naboso a try and your feet will thank you for it. I know mine already have. Now let's get back into this episode. Let's get to the fourth uh, racing mistake. Mm-hmm. So number four is being undertrained. And what I mean by that is, you know, there are some people who can run a marathon off the couch. There really are. Um, and those people are usually, you know, athletic in other ways. And, you know, they've done minimal training and they get through the marathon. But I think those are the exceptions. Um, if you're undertrained for the marathon, you can usually do the distance, but it's going to be absolutely painful and it's not going to be a fun experience. So what I like to see in marathoners at a minimum is, is well, really four days of running and at the very least 35 miles a week. And I know people get away with running about 30 miles a week um, and then go run a marathon. And, you know, if you're doing cross training, this is something that you can more easily get away with if you've got a really big aerobic base from biking or swimming or something like that. But I really think you're setting yourself up for a harder time if you don't have the mileage in during training. So I like to see at the very least 35 miles a week, preferably 40. And then once you get up over 40, it's going to start to vary. You know, some people are super comfortable at 50 or 60 higher than that, you know, is starting to get, um, challenging for most like normal people, but, um, you know, there definitely are lots of people that go higher than that. And then, you know, the elites go very, very high. And so I'm not talking about super high training, um, I think under training is, is more of a problem. So, um, so don't go into the marathon on 30 miles a week, please, you know, try the half for a while. And then, you know, six months later, do the marathon, you know, the marathon isn't going anywhere. So, um, get trained so that you can have a really successful race, not just, you know, a painful crawl to the finish. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I really respect the marathon. And, you know, it's taken me five years to go back for seconds myself mm -hmm. um, because I knew what was involved with the training and the dedication and how I needed to build more of a solid running base. And, you know, the weekly volume and the mileage is so important. And I just love how you kind of, you know, said that consistent running is going to give you success at the marathon. It's not the 16, 18, 20 week plan, right. That you just start and that's going to give you success, but it's the body of work before that, the last yeah. six months, the last six years, right. And right. that is what is going to give you your success because 
that training doesn't go away, right? It's right. kind of part of you. And so, yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think this is evidence. If you've ever been to a run Disney event, um, you will see the under training uh, for sure. Um, a lot of yeah. people, it's a you know fun event. It's a great event. And I love that people challenge themselves, but I just feel bad when you see so many injured runners because they were undertrained and they're really stretching their body to places that their body is not ready to go to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you, you know, a lot of people want to run a marathon and don't have a, you know, a, some kind of speed goal or anything like that. They just want to get through it. And that's great. I'm not saying you have to train so that you run this marathon fast, not at all, unless you want to, but you do need to have not only the aerobic base in your lungs, but you need to have enough miles in your legs that you have some durability because your muscles, bones, and tendons, they take a while to be able to handle the pounding of running. And if you just don't do it that often, going out for a marathon or, you know, the dopey challenge, which is a whole bunch of racing in four days, you know, that is going to be some serious abuse to your body. So respect the marathon and respect your body's ability to adapt to it. Agreed. Um, so marathon mistake number five is what? I would say not only having time goals and I am the most guilty of this, obviously, you know, my time goal, you know, getting this sub three marathon was almost an obsession for me. So, and you know, there was one time my second to last one that I got, um, three hours and 29 seconds. And you know what? I was pretty devastated. And that is just shows you that my mindset was not exactly right for that. So, you know, if you only have time goals and you say, oh, I need to hit X, you know, pace, or I, I really want to get a sub four or whatever your time goal is, it's great to have time goals. Don't get me wrong. Um, when you hit them, you feel amazing. But when you miss them, you feel terrible, right? So there has got to be something deeper than just the time on the clock because you're not in control of that as much as you think. You know, you're not in control of the weather. You're not in control of lots of things that could happen on race day, but you are in control of the process. So try to think of some goals that are that have nothing to do with your time. You know, it could be that you nailed your fueling plan. It could be that you hydrated properly. It could be that you didn't go out too fast in the first 5k. It could be that you ran really well in the last 5k, whatever it is, come up with a list as long as you want, but at least five of process goals of things that even if everything else goes wrong, you can say, well, at least I did that. You know, even if it's just show up on time <laughs> or tie my shoes or whatever it is, I don't care what it is, but you need to find a way to make that one day a success because you've been training for this for months or years. And it's really just a snapshot in time. You know, sometimes you'll get a good one. Sometimes you'll get a bad one. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything is, you know, gone to waste. If you have a bad day on marathon day, it's just bad luck sometimes, but we have our identity so caught up in this time goal. And believe me, I know that I know I definitely did too. Um, so have some other things in mind that if your time goal just doesn't happen for whatever reason, you can say, okay, well, that didn't happen the way I wanted it to, but 
I can build on this for next time. Right, right. And finding, thinking about more of, you know, what are the things like you had mentioned process wise, right, that went well. And yeah, and I, I was actually feeling a little of that this morning, as I mentioned, it was a very hard run and mentally challenging. And I had to walk, you know, during the last two miles that were faster and just to keep my RP where it needed to be. And yeah. I wasn't hitting my time goal of my pace that I would have liked. Um, but, you know, in the end, and initially my initial reaction was like, oh, you're a failure, right? You're, oh, you didn't do this. But then in a little bit of reflecting, I'm saying, well, you know what? I'm following the coach's plan because I actually didn't take it to the RP level of like race day that right. I, you know, shouldn't have been at. So I kind of looked at that process and saying, well, I made the decision to make sure I didn't blow up my training. Right. And then, and then not recover from this training run. Um, right. so thinking about those other variables in our race that, you know, did go well, and maybe you had control over, um, as opposed to just that end result of time. And it is so hard. And I think, you know, if anyone's raced uh, long enough and you are pretty hard on yourself and you like to challenge yourself, I think we've all been there where, you know, you, you do get some negative feelings if you don't hit that time on the clock um, that you had hoped to. Um, but it is, it is, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it by any means, um, still working on that, but it is, it's, it's a challenge. Um, but if you only focus on the time, then yeah, you're going to be disappointed a lot right? Because mm -hmm. you don't always hit that time. You That's do enough right. races. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we are halfway there. We got five <laughs> down, five more to go. Uh, what's the next uh, marathon mistake that uh, runners commonly make? Well, I think it's uh, being actually too positive, <laughs> which in our culture is like, what? How can you be too positive? Like we're obsessed with positive thinking. So um, you do need to be positive. You do need to have some sense that you're going to do well at the marathon. If, if, if you want to do well, you have to actually believe that you're going to do well. But if you only visualize the positive, then you kind of miss out on the negative things. And when something bad happens, you'll get sidetracked. So we sort of talked over about this before, about visualizing the negative things and then um, coming back to what are you going to do about it? But, you know, like so many people will visualize, okay, I want to break four hours in the marathon and they'll visualize four hours on the clock as they run through uh, the finish line. What you really want is to, is 359, right? <laughs> so don't visualize four, visualize 359. So visualize a really positive, um, you know, what you really want to happen, but then also be prepared for the negatives. Right. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. And, and probably being realistic too, right? Like making sure mm -hmm. that Sometimes you'll hear people be positive and they're, it's like, it's like not even realistic, but they're right. like, oh, positive thinking. And, but it's not where their training has been. Um, and they just have these, you know, ultra, you know, positive and unrealistic uh, goals. Right. So I like right. that one. Absolutely. Uh, all right. What is number seven? Number seven is a big one, and that is not respecting the weather. So, you know, you'll, some people, it doesn't happen as much in fall races because a lot of people have trained through the summer. And so they're used to running in the heat. And so they get a cool day on marathon day and they do great. But 
Um, if you're not prepared for the heat, you're going to have a rough time. So if you've avoided the heat all summer, let's say you've just, you know, every time it's over 80 degrees, you just run inside or whatever it is, or you live in a colder area and you never practiced in the heat when it's hot on race day, you have to slow down or you're just going to blow up. Um, you've got to forget about your plan. You've got to change things around. Um, the heat is the number one thing that can sabotage your marathon. Um, you know, other weather related things are the wind, you know, you could get a terribly cold and rainy day, and that could be something that you're not prepared for. If you just go out with your normal plan and forget about adjusting for the weather, you're going to get in trouble real quick. Yeah. Not even just thinking about like how hot the temperature is with dew point. Right. And just sure, humidity. That's, mm -hmm. Yeah. That's like the variable that just kills runners, especially for the marathon. Yeah, um, absolutely. Cause your sweat's not as effective when it's humid, you know, you, it doesn't evaporate and you're just wet and hot. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I, I find that affects me so much more than how hot the temperature is, um, mm -hmm. you know, with running and, and yeah, just being able to, adjust what your race day plan was based upon those weather circumstances. And yeah, we don't, we can't control it. Right. Right. And just to avoid kind of bonking or blowing up and, you know, having a terrible, terrible experience that last 10 K, um, you know, adjust the plan early on to respect that weather makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yep. What is number eight? Well, number eight is not having a plan at all. So some people go into the marathon and are just like, I'm just going to see what I can do. <laughs> and, you know, that's like, you know, building a house without a blueprint, like, like, sure, you might be able to do it. Okay. Some people might be really good at it. Most people are not going to have a successful race if they don't plan things out. So, you know, look at what is on the race website. If you've never done this race before, you know, figure out where the water stops are figure out what your fueling plan is. Know what's on the course. Are you going to bring your fuel? Are you going to bring your water? Are you going to rely on what's on the course? How many milligrams of sodium are you going to take in? How many grams of carbohydrate are you going to take in per hour? You know, when are you going to take that first gel? Um, are you going to take caffeine? All of this stuff, you know, your brain uses a lot of energy when it has to make decisions. So if you make those decisions ahead of time, you're going to save a ton of energy. And that is the key to the marathon is saving energy. You want to use as little energy as possible to go as fast as possible. And if your brain has to make a lot of choices, it's going to suck up all of the, the carbohydrate and go to your brain instead of your legs. So you really don't want to make any decisions as much as possible on race day. So proper planning can take care of almost all of that. Yeah. And especially most important for the marathon distance, right? Like most people yeah. get away, you know, doing a 5k without much of a plan. Um, it's yeah. usually not going to affect, you know, a lot of the results, um, may affect it a little bit, but, um, yeah, the marathon, you really can't just like wing it. Um, as Claire said, mm -hmm. you need a plan. Um, from a whole nutrition, hydration, electrolyte standpoint, as well as pacing standpoint. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally agree. And for those that have been listening a while, you guys know we've done a previous episode on kind of a race day blueprint. 
um, that we have kind of a checklist and we have kind of how to map out, you know, your race day plan. So I will definitely link that in the show notes um, for you guys who need a little structure and, you know, need to get a little guidance on how to structure out that plan for race day. All right. What is uh, marathon mistake number nine? Well, the opposite of number eight. So being, you know, not having a plan is bad, but being too attached to your plan is also bad. So, you know, so many people will be like, okay, well, I need to hit such and such for mile number one and such and such for mile number two. And, you know, if they are five seconds off, they're going to be like, oh no, oh no, what's happening. And, and they will get so caught up in their head that they're screwing up that they won't be able to recover. So, you know, you don't know what, I mean, you can plan as much as you want, but you don't know what is going to happen on race day. You don't know what's going to happen when you drop 500 calories worth of fuel on the ground, which I've done in a marathon. And you're just like, Oh, oh no, <laughs> what am I going to do? Cow. And you know, so you have got to be able to say, okay, that happened. It's over with moving on. What am I going to do about it? You know, where am I going to get my fuel, whatever it is. So you, um, you know, you do have to save some brain power to think on your feet. If the plan doesn't go as you expect. Yeah, there's got to be some flexibility there. And like you said, putting yourself in those situations in training, you know, where things don't go right, um, is actually a good thing, right? And it will mm -hmm. help you manage um, if things don't go, go right, you know, or exactly as planned um, on race day where you can, you know, make those adjustments and not let it kind of freak you out, right? And kind Absolutely. of like, yeah, get super, super anxious. All right. So we're down to the 10th and final tip here, um, or the 10th and final most common marathon mistakes uh, that runners make. And what is that? Um, this one, I think is something that's not talked about enough. And that is being afraid of success and not pushing your hardest. You know, there are some people who run a marathon. Like I said, they go out too fast, they blow up and they end up walking and they're disappointed. But then there's a whole different sect of people who do the opposite. They're too conservative. You know, they do great at pacing and staying slow and easy. But then when it's time to take up it up a notch, they just don't seem to give it their all. And then when they cross the finish line, line, they're like, I could have gone faster. Why didn't I go faster? I'm not sore at all. Like what happened to me? And, you know, again, this is something you'll need to practice in training. You'll, you know, it's a good idea to every once in a while, just do a workout really, really hard. You know, most of the time as coaches, I'm pulling people back. I don't want you to run you know, up to 90% of your max effort, because I want you to stay healthy, you know, but every once in a while, especially for people who are too conservative, you need to push your boundary. You need to go and kiss that line a little bit. Um, the last 5k of a marathon is like a 5k. You should be running it as hard as possible. And, you know, your voice inside your head is going to tell you to slow down, but you are capable of so much more than you think. And even though it's hard, it will pass. And if you cross that finish line, knowing that you gave it every drop that you possibly could, it's going to be that much more rewarding. Right. And it's just, it's hard to push, right? It's hard, but mm -hmm. I'm sure you have a lot of great mental strategies to help folks overcome that voice 
in our head um, that that we can check out. So, yeah, that is that is definitely difficult. But I agree that you know, don't be afraid to push yourself, guys, and you will you will uh, be happier um, that you did right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in reflecting back. Um, All right. So we're in the final stretch. The last question we asked all our guests, Um, this one's kind of a general one for marathon uh, training. If you can change one thing about the misconception of marathon training, you know, what would that be? I would say the thing that people um, mess up the most on is they think it's all about the long run. So the long run is important. Don't get me wrong. You need to learn to run long, but it's not everything. It's one day. It shouldn't be the majority of your miles. You have other runs in the week, hopefully at least three other runs that week. And it is not everything. So a lot of people are like, why am I not running 20 miles in my long run? Or why am I not going longer? Why can't I run five hours (laughs) on a Saturday? And I was like, well, because you're not getting the benefits that you think you are just because you are out there for a really long time. So the long run is super important, but don't get too wrapped up in its importance because it's not everything. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, guys. So Claire just shared with us the top 10 marathon racing mistakes and how to avoid them. Um, I've been taking some notes here. Let's see if I got this correct. So just kind of wrapping these up. Number one was going out too fast is a mistake. Number two is trying something new on race day. Number three is not being mentally prepared for the tough parts of the race. Number four is being undertrained. So not really making sure that you have the training necessary to run the marathon. Number five was only having time goals. So really focusing too much on the time and not the process. Number six was um, only visualizing positive, right? And maybe having unrealistic uh, goals and not thinking about some of those negative things that come up in the race. And I know you kind of tied that back to kind of the mental preparation, um, which I loved. And then number seven was not respecting the weather and needing to make adjustments. Number eight was not having a plan. Number nine was being too attached to the plan and not being flexible enough. And then number 10 was being afraid of success and not pushing at the end. I absolutely love these. Um, I think these are going to really resonate with a lot of marathon runners and they could probably say, Oh, I've done that. Check each one off. I've done that. I've done that. Um, so there's going to be many runners who really resonated with your message today, Claire, um, about, you know, running marathon training mindset, and you have some great nutrition content. Um, you know, how can our healthy runner community, you know, connect with you? Well, of course, you can listen to the Planted Runner podcast wherever you get podcasts and um, you can join me. I'm doing a totally free 12 week marathon series. So what I do is I break down what you should be doing every single week um, for 12 weeks before the marathon. We're right in the middle of it right now. So depending on where you are or when you listen to this, you can get the older weeks, but you can't get the the newer weeks because I'm just doing it live. So um, if you want to go ahead and jump on that, you'll get um, the current week in your mailbox each week. Plus you have access to all the past weeks. So that is at theplantedrunner.com slash marathon. 
Awesome. And yeah, we'll definitely link that in the uh, show notes. Um, thank you so much for coming back for round two. Uh, this was fun as always. Yeah. Uh, delighted that you invited me back, Dwayne. Always good to see you. Yes, absolutely. Um, hopefully we'll have you back in the future at some point, um, which would be awesome. Sounds great. Well, best of luck in your marathon. Thank you so much. Yeah, I will definitely be uh, checking out some of your mindset tips uh, for sure. Um, so I will be implementing that. Uh, so stay tuned and yeah. I will definitely uh, have to report back how the uh, actual race goes. And uh, thank you to the listener. If you guys are checking the replay out in our Healthy Runner Facebook group or Spark Healthy Runner YouTube channel, we're listening on the podcast during your run. Hope you're enjoying your run today. Um, we appreciate all of you. Um, make sure you go ahead and follow Claire's Instagram account at The Planted Runner. She posts some great content that you guys will find very, very valuable. And as always, let's maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and let's just keep on running. Until next time. Hey, healthy runners, have you been listening to this podcast for a while and have been implementing the strategies we talk about on a weekly basis? If so, kudos to you for taking action because we all know those that are successful are those that take action. However, I do talk to many of you runners and you guys are trying to implement the strategies. Maybe you've seen some exercises on my Spark Your Training YouTube channel, but you're just not sure if that is exactly what you should be doing depending upon your situation. So if you're looking for clarity and focus in order to be able to collapse time so you don't have to figure it out all by yourself, that is exactly what we take care of with our team of experts in our one-on-one -on -one personalized run coaching program to get you stronger and faster so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. What do you get when you sign up for the Healthy Runner Coaching Program? You get 16 weeks of one-to-one -one run and strength training, coaching, and accountability. You get strategic one-on-one -on -one deep dive coaching on a monthly basis. You get focused feedback on your training on a weekly basis. You get the strength program for running resource library and you get lifetime access to that. You also get an online personalized structured run and strength plan. You get a community of like-minded runners and then access to our trusted healthy runner coaching team made up of certified run coaches, a physical therapist, a registered dietitian, and personal trainers and fitness instructors. If you are interested in seeing if you are a good fit to work with myself or anyone on our team, then just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Check out the behind the scenes video tour of the program and hear from runners just like you who have been through our program before. We would love to provide you the clarity on what you should be focusing on in your training, whether it is getting stronger with strength training, the specific types of runs you should be doing, or the nutrition you should be fueling your body with for those runs. If you're ready to get the support and accountability you need to take action and put the work in, then I would love to hop on a call with you to see if you're a good fit for a one-on-one -on -one healthy runner coaching program. Just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching and get signed up for your enrollment strategy call with me today. Thanks so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's four ways I can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of my Spark Blueprint at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Two, follow my Instagram page at sparkyourtraining. Three, join my free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com 
forward slash spark your training. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential runners and bring those lessons back to you here. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner to help you get stronger, faster, so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Lastly, if you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner and want one-on-one structure, accountability, and support from our Healthy Runner coaching team, check out the the behind-the-scenes video tour of our coaching program and the stories from many of our athletes who are struggling with the same sticking points that you are right now. Just head to programs.sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Thank you again, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening. Now go and crush your run today.